Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Dead Dog Theology. This is episode three, which we entitled Christ-Centered Preaching. And we are excited to bring this episode to you guys um, here in all your favorite podcast listening formats. And uh, I was really, really excited, Eric, as we uh, heard all of the good feedback from episode two, um, where we talked about the five solas and God's grace uh, in salvation. And that was that was really exciting to hear. And, and I also I, I want to go ahead before I bring you in, I want to plug our Facebook page. Dead Dog Theology Podcast. That's a, a good way to reach out to us uh, to send in any any questions you guys might have or uh, comments, anything like that. We post stuff throughout the week on it. So uh, once again, uh, welcome back. And, and Eric, I'll go ahead and bring you in and get your thoughts on last week's episode. Well, thanks, Luke. I'm uh, excited too to hear some feedback and just be a part of um, you know an audience that we're trying to cultivate, a part of your discipleship and formation in the scriptures, and then. Uh, talking about some theological concepts that you don't always get to discuss uh, coming and going from traditional church or traditional discipleship. So this is kind of a behind the scenes look, but actually what's behind the scenes is very important. It is our, our gospel formation. So I'm excited to be here today and, and, and spur some Christians on toward maturity in Christ. Amen. So yes, today we are going to be talking about that expositional preaching, exp expository discipleship. Um, but before we get to that, um, do you have anything as far as like last week uh, regarding the solas you wanted to touch on? Um, well, and again, last week we said that maybe the average person is not as familiar with the doctrines of grace as we should be. And I know different denominations and different studies may label the doctrines of grace in various ways, but we went with the five solas simply because they are uh, steadfast and rooted in the scriptures and, and what the scriptures put forth as far as how God orchestrates and determines uh, the, his salvation for his people. So it gives us common talking points and got, um, common theological concepts for us to continue to grow in our understanding of what the scriptures say. So basically, theological descriptions or a systematic theology, the doctrines of grace are, are very much needed in our culture, in our church cultures today. And like I said, you're going to hear from Andy Hughes in a minute, and certainly Andy's a, um, uh, endearing personality from our church who, who gives us a lot of insight as to how we assess the need in our culture for uh, specific theological pursuits, specific teachings and discipleship. So the doctrines of grace gave us that framework that we can talk about how God saves and the authority of scripture, uh, the sufficiency of Christ alone, how God works his grace for us and, and um, for his glory and such things that we can put in our conversations to sharpen one another in our walk with Christ. And and something too, uh, I, I did want to just reiterate is the, um, the doctrines of grace and the application part of what we had was uh, they're desperate, desperately needed in our churches. Um, so I, I would sum up, you know, the totality of last week's episode in saying salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, according to the scriptures alone, for the glory of God alone. And then, and we also heard that uh, if you remember here at Harvestfield Church, we heard that on Sunday morning as as Brian Haskins prayed through that. I don't know if you guys picked up on that uh, during the pastoral prayer. He he prayed prayed that exact statement. And so uh, it, it's really cool to see how our elders and our staff and everybody works uh, together um, through God's grace in those things. Hopefully today uh, you're going to be able to see as a listener uh, how the doctrines of grace flow into our conviction that expository preaching, expository preaching is not a style, uh, as some might say, oh, he preaches topically, he preaches expositionally. That's wrong thinking. Uh, expositional preaching is not a style, it's a philosophy. And that philosophy is rooted in faith in certain truths that has been made known to us through the word. So the doctrines of grace, we're going to see how those solas uh, undergird the foundation for a preacher who is... Uh, proclaiming Christ crucified or the gospel of Christ or this Christ-centric um, idea that, that Jesus is enough, you'll see how the five solas feed into the philosophy of uh, expository preaching. Amen. And, and so before we take a break from the introduction, uh, I think our next segment, we actually had, had planned uh, 
to go to our missions minister and Andy Hughes. And yes. I, I'm excited to hear him. You know why? Why is that? Because Andy Hughes is a pretty big deal around here. <laughs> <Amen>, he <is>. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm excited to hear from him. Just, uh, I, I think, I think what, and the reason we did this is we believe it's important to hear Andy's viewpoint on, you know, why are we doing this podcast? Cause Andy's just as big of a part of it as we are, um, as we're studying and doing these things. Um, just to take you behind the curtain, he, he does help. Yeah, let uh, me say it this way, too, and it, it was a story that found meaning in my heart. Uh, I've been at Harvestville for 21 years, and both my sons, Matthew and Mason, grew up here, and they've heard me preach sermon after sermon after sermon, and they've become very accustomed to hearing Daddy preach, and now they're young men, uh, grown men, and Matthew gave me some insight the other day. We had John Gillen uh, preach on a Sunday morning mm-hmm. when I was here, was not here, and Matthew came to me. He said, Daddy, it was, it's good. I've enjoyed hearing you preach, but it's great to hear the gospel, the same gospel preached from different men. That's right. And so, you know, that's the, a very rewarding thing to have uh, a group of men here at Harvestville who find um, their common faith out of the word and flowing out of the text and our convictions and our passions and what makes us angry and what makes, what makes us rejoice together. Uh, so Andy will give us a little bit of insight as to the podcast and how that can help stir our, our men together uh, and ladies here at Harvestville. Amen. So we'll take a quick break and we're going to uh, come back to you with Andy Hughes. Hello and welcome back to Dead Dog Theology. This is our second segment of our, our third episode this week. And so I'm, I get the opportunity to sit with you with our, our missions minister, Andy Hughes, as we uh, discuss the podcast and, and how that came to be. And um, just to get his take on, on, on some of the stuff that we've been saying. So welcome, Andy. Hello. <laughs> hello. hello. And he's a busy man. He's got a He's got a, a lot on his plate, and so we're happy he gets the opportunity to. He's usually in here with us, but you know, gets the opportunity to to sit down and talk to talk to us. Anything going on in your life, Andy? You want to talk about? I'm really just blessed to be here. You're right. I I I, I have a lot going on. I have three daughters, and uh, I think we've mentioned that before. And and uh, life is is pretty busy. Yeah, I got I got brownie points because Shelby liked that I said that you were at her golf tournament, and so. Yeah, uh, I, ten points from Shelby. I, that's right. I was cheering for that. Yeah, that's right. Golf is our favorite sport at the Hughes House, and <laughs> that's so right. that's what that's what we do. But uh, I am definitely blessed to be here, blessed to be part of of this podcast, and uh, and it's Masters week week too. So thank you for breaking away from watching <laughs> Masters practice all week. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm afraid that I'm afraid the rain's going to affect us a little bit. <laughs> maybe not maybe not so so andy what what uh what are you thinking i guess just overall broad an idea of, of what we're doing with dead dog theology and the podcast here at harvestville church well for for me luke the, the the podcast itself uh is just another great uh medium for us to uh, have a conversation in front of a lot of people um at harvestfield uh being a home group church, you know, we don't get to go to all of the different home groups. And, and I think, uh, in our home group, anyway, we're doing the study of Hebrews, which is the, which is the, uh, basically a commentary on the old Testament. That's right. And so you have all these comparisons, uh, uh, in Hebrews from the old Testament to the new Testament. And, you know, Melchizedek being a, a priest and a King, uh, as a comparison to Christ. And, and so I think that comparison in that way, uh, for, for me, the podcast is kind of a comparison. I mean, I think our listeners can kind of get a, a grasp on what we're talking about because, you know, like our personalities are different. Right. You, you, you are, yes, a faithful servant here at Harvest Field as, as well as, as Eric and, and, uh, but also we're, we're human, you know, That's I mean, right. we, we, uh, uh, I, I, I used to build tires in a factory and you, you know, obviously run the, the heavy equipment rental company and, and Eric has been a bricklayer. And, right. uh, so our, <clears throat> our ideas and things are, are comparable excuse me, to the people that listen to this podcast. That's right. You know, and they so. all, they all kind of collide together to, to, um, to center up on this idea of, of a high, high view of God. That's right. That's right. And for me, it's interesting to hear other people's thoughts and their, 
and 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 how they relate to this gospel, this yeah. this this awesome gospel that that we preach here at Harvestfield. So the uh, the podcast to me is a is a good medium to when when I have time and I want to be a steward of my time and to listen to things that feed my my soul with the right. gospel. You know, I mean, I think this is a good way to do that. And you learn uh, the the expositional. Uh, way to do that absolutely but i know i know you know here at harvestfield you have have a hand in almost everything just to run down a couple things on the list you're the missions minister that's your primary job here at harvestfield but then um you're also involved with men's discipleships that you you help with the student ministry as a small group leader and then um and you also have a couple hands in different things as far as with the deacons i know you help them do things like that so how do you see the podcast as far as um in a, in a way of discipleship, let, let's let's use the men's discipleship for for instance. How do you see um, how, how do you see the podcast helping with discipleship? Oh well, first of all, I want to say I'm not a big deal. <laughs> I'm not a big deal at all. Not uh, what I heard. <laughs> I just, I, I, I'm just I'm just blessed to be in a season of life that that God has afforded me the time to to, to serve here at harvest field. Yeah. And, and in, in these ways, um, God inclined my heart a long time ago to, to missions, uh, through, through means that are just extraordinary. And, and, um, I'm very blessed to, uh, to take part in that. But as far as the men's discipleship here at harvest field, uh, we have, we have observed that there, there are men here at harvest field that are kind of, uh, uh, searching for ways to serve, searching for ways to grow deeper in their knowledge of scripture. And maybe they haven't had the opportunity to uh, be discipled uh, in the past, or maybe they haven't sought it out in the past. And so uh, we just want to facilitate that for them. This is another way to do that at their, at where they're at, you know, right. uh, uh, for where they're at when they have time to, uh, uh, or they find themselves typically, in a place where they would just uh, feed their mind with something uh, like a, uh, you know, social media or something like that, uh, that they can, they have a choice. Yeah. Right? They, they can turn to a, a different outlet. Yeah. That's, that's for sure. Uh, so what, what are, I guess we covered why, why we need the dead dog theology and the discipleship um, aspect of it. And, and one thing I, I want to touch on, you talked about our different personalities coming together. Um, I, I think that, that what, what people see with the podcast with the podcast is that um, it's our personalities coming together as, as we're being discipled towards um, a goal for Christ. And so, uh, so I think that that is important. And just to reiterate that, I, th I like how you brought that point up. Um, also, so what do you think, um, what do you hope to accomplish by supporting this podcast though? Well, I really hope that people, whoever our listeners may be, get, get an idea of, Hey, these things that we're talking about are things that we need to be thinking of. Uh, our conversations, all of our co conversations in life, uh, should lean towards the gospel. Right. And, and so, um, whenever we whenever we encounter people at our workplaces or wherever we are, uh, school, uh, wherever it may be, uh, we want to we want to try to uh, point people to the word. Right. And so uh, and that's a mindset that gets created over time. And I think uh, sitting in on conversations uh, like this, like what we're having right now, uh, kind of trains you, kind of trains you for that, to see to see Jesus in, in all that we talk about and all the things that we do. Amen. Um, just before we close the segment out, one more question. So as far as when we're talking about discipleship, what makes your heart beat faster when talking about discipleship? Uh, what makes my heart beat faster is when people are seeking discipleship. Uh, that, that, that for me, uh, there was a time in my life where I, I might say, I might say, well, I want to be disciple, but, but I, I don't really have anybody to disciple right. me. And uh, I think Eric really put it very well, uh, when I, when I express that to him, uh, when, when, when it appears that there is no one to disciple you, that's when you need to be a disciple. I mean, you know, that's when you need to become a disciple. And, and so, and, and through that process, uh, when you do, uh, when God does present the opportunity to, to, to have a discipleship relationship with someone else, uh, you, you get discipled in That's that right. because you're going to go to the word to disciple somebody and the word is what feeds us. Amen. And so, and so that's, that, that's what makes my heart beat faster for discipleship because, 
uh, in the process of doing discipleship, you get discipled. So that's just fantastic. That's right. That's really good. Well, Andy, do you have anything else before we go to the next segment? Uh, really, uh, this, this is, uh, this is something that I, I am excited about this, this podcast. I've told so many people about it. I, I, I would encourage everybody that listens to uh, go ahead and, and whatever medium you're listening to it on Apple, uh, Spotify, however you come about it, give it a, give it a rating, share it with somebody. That's right. Uh, and, 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 and let's share this, let's share this gift that we've been given the gospel with other people, as many people as we can, as we can reach, you know, what a blessing. I think, I think if the disciples had, had, uh, you know, access to something like this, you know, they would have, they, they would have <laughs> shared right. it with people. So, uh, that's what we want to do. We want to be good disciples and we want to disciple people and, and we want to learn as well. And that, that's, you know, that's what Eric brings to the table in this, uh, in, in this discussion, we can get disciple from him. We can disciple that's each right. other and encouragement. That's, that's the key for, for, especially for, you know, HFC, uh, you know, Harvestville church, we want to encourage Harvestville church. And, and that's something else too. You know, if you find yourself listening to this podcast and you're out there and you, you don't go to church or you say, Hey, I need to get back in church. You know, I mean, I want our listeners to know that Harvestville church is here in rainbow city Absolutely. and, and, and to, uh, and that they can come here and, and and have an opportunity to be discipled and to get in the word and to learn, you know. Absolutely. Well, Andy, thank you for your time. I know you're going to hang out in the room with us, but you won't be on the mic the rest of uh, the podcast. Feel oh, free to interject. I'm sorry. Uh, as Eric as Eric laughed or what did you say a minute ago from from a distance, so we could still hear that. So. <laughs> so so feel free to interject. But um, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back to you. Um, as we look into Christ-centered preaching, expository preaching, and as we exposit Luke chapter 24, we'll be right back with you in the next segment. Thanks for letting me be part. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Dead Dog Theology. As we uh, look into Luke chapter 24 and exposit that passage today, uh, I would go ahead and ask you to go ahead, if, if this is your time of study, to open your Bibles to Luke chapter 24. We're going to be going through verses 13 through 27, and then we have a couple uh, uh, references to um, John 1.1 and 1 Corinthians 1.23, uh, but we'll hit on those in just a minute. So if you want to go ahead and open your Bibles to that. Eric, uh, why this passage as far as uh, where you see it with Christ-centered pre uh, preaching? Uh, because passages like these help form our convictions over biblical exposition and Christ-centered preaching. We try to follow the pattern of the New Testament. And today I'm going to give you like three or four examples of, of you and your personal discipleship, how you can come to the conclusion that expository preaching, Christ-centered preaching, is the, the uh, philosophy of both Christ and the apostolic witness of the New Testament. So it's a big deal. And uh, Luke, I very well know, you know, growing up in a traditional church, I said something about this the last podcast. We're not trying to disparage pastors who preach uh, in other methods. We're trying to influence them. Right. We think we have a, a, a model that is reflected in the text where what we have to say as preachers and as proclaimers of Christ must flow out of the scriptures, not our good ideas, not of the felt needs of lost people not of the topic of the day. Those can be important, but as we look at Christ in his word, okay, we preach Christ and believing like back at the solas that Christ alone is sufficient to accomplish what Christ uh, in his redemptive work set out to do. So how do we join Christ vicariously in his work? One of the ways we do that is through the power of the spirit to lead us into the text again and again and again the scriptures are sola they are primary in our formation or, or not not just primary they are uh, alone authoritative for our um, formation in christ jesus luke if i can interrupt just before we go on i want to touch something on something real quick that's on my mind that andy brought up about discipling and disciplers and we've also said it you know a lot of younger men uh, complain and and I, I was one of them that they can't find mentors, um, can't find older men to right. disciple them. And, and Andy put it well, I'm just going to phrase it a different way. You know, if you can't find the man, be the man. If you can't find a mentor, be a mentor. And uh, that's something I think with Luke, you and Andy and uh, guys like Thomas Alexander and John Gillen, and I could go down Bucky Powers, lots of guys here at Harvestville. We're finding great benefit in their hearts being stirred together in a common pursuit 
And maybe these men I just mentioned couldn't find that mentor, that older man to to disciple them in the word. But we're finding that uh, among the fellowship of, of brothers in Christ here until there'll be a day in the future where we can see uh, the Titus 2 model both for our men and women at Harvest Field, where older men, and that could be 33, 43, it's not so much an age as it is a responsibility and, and, and seeing the need uh, to, to give away what God has given to you in the scriptures and the knowledge of the scriptures. But Titus 2, and we have that for a topic maybe next week or, or, or whatever, but older men, uh, teaching younger men, older women, training in sound doctrine. That's the heading of Titus Absolutely. 2, teach sound doctrine. That is, doctrine is a word for the teachings of the scriptures. Sound means in accordance with what the Bible says. And uh, so many times we we make excuses. Oh, well, I can't disciple somebody or I can't mentor. I can't be the man. Well, yes, you can. And it's a work of God in you and then it's a work of God in us that we stir our hearts together and pursue this, um, this command of scripture. And so, uh, Luke, how old are you? 28. Yeah. 28 years. 28 years old. Wow. You're just a young whippersnapper. (laughs) (laughs) I thought you were quoting Ric Flair when you said you can't find the man, be the man. That's not Ric Flair. No, but he said, if if, uh, you want to be the man, you got to beat the man. And then he said, "Woo." It's WrestleMania week. I was fired up. Right. Andy, uh, if you could help us out here uh, anyway, that, that would be now. My brain is just absolutely. I know how we're look, this, this just gone. We should have said that on the road to Emmaus. <laughs> let's, uh, let's see if we can reel this. Yeah, back let me in. reel it back. But in, yeah, if you can't find the man, be not, the man. Don't beat the man. Be <laughs> the man. Uh, that is take up your biblical responsibility to disciple others Amen. Luke. that's right and you're 28 and it's showing uh andy is 44 which is the perfect age um being 44 is a pretty big deal around here right. and uh you know he's old enough and and still young enough that he's a, a great age what i'm saying is whatever age you find yourself at as a man you're older than somebody and there are men who need uh somebody to lead them in the word confidently and and um, in the process of, of growing in our knowledge so we can be confident quit being tossed around by bad doctrine and topical preaching and manby pamby pastors amen all right so uh we're going to be like i said luke chapter 24 verses 13 through 27 so you me go ahead and read that and then uh, uh i'm guessing we'll, we'll go ahead and jump into it on the road to emmaus sure Uh, Verse 13, so that very day, so this is the day of resurrection, according to the book of Luke here, that very day two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew, drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what is this conversation that you're holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still, looking sad. Then one of them named, how do you say that name, Cleopas? Yeah, okay, um, answered him, Are you the only visitor, visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And he said to them, What things? And they said to him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes. And besides all this, it is now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning. And when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had seen a vision of angels who had said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it was just as the woman had said. But him they did not see. And he said to them, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken, was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Well, Luke, I um, 
encourage you to stop at that verse because that's the main one. You can go and read the rest of the story, certainly, and how their hearts burned, those disciples on the road to Emmaus, as Jesus expounded unto them all the things written in the Old Testament, we'll say, Moses and the law, um, all the things that we would say from Genesis to Malachi uh, that were written concerning Jesus. So that gives us a, a heartbeat and a, a flow of God's grace when we approach any scripture or any text as we follow the example of Christ who expounded upon his own glory and expounded upon his own uh, redemptive work by pointing these men to what was foretold, what was groaned about in the Old Testament, what every verse. Now, you know, you look at any particular verse in the Old Testament, it may be giving details of a historical narrative. It may be giving details geographically or, or describing a certain situation where you don't find the name Jesus written every other word. That's not what I'm talking about. But I'm following the pattern of Christ showing that the whole redemptive story of the Old Testament was pointing forward to Jesus. And then when we read backwards, when we who have been uh, uh, made known to this gospel and this, this, this central figure of redemption, Jesus himself, you can't help but see Jesus in all the texts of Scripture. Now, I'm not just making that up as a style of preaching. See, it is a philosophy of interpretation that Jesus and we said the word we were talking earlier, hermeneutic, mm -hmm. is a big word that means the lens by which you interpret Scripture. So Jesus gave a lens, uh, a looking glass, if you will, to look back at the Old Testament through the cross. Okay, When we look back in history, we're looking back at the cross as the pinnacle of all redemptive history. Right. So when we look back, we see the story of, of the... Uh, Israelites delivered out of Egypt. We see the story of Joseph uh, rising to to leadership uh, over Egypt and his uh, promise of, of redemption, you know, to his people. Uh, and all these stories, the psalmist and the groaning of the lamentations and the the, the wisdom of the proverbs and and such things are all groaning and pointing to Christ. So that's a big deal when it comes to our philosophy. That here at Harvest Field, and I'll speak for our church. Uh, we just we must preach and proclaim as written in the scriptures as 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 the Spirit enables us to do, and use the hermeneutic of the cross, the redemptive work of Jesus Christ, to interpret all scriptures. Amen. Um, I, I also too, I, I thought it was really just looking at a, a very, uh, I guess, logistical, practical format. Like the, the first thing Jesus did when he came back, he started telling them all the things that had had happened throughout Scripture that pointed to himself. And how big of a, a picture that is um, and how we now, like I'll just say me and John, for instance, with the students, we now we're going through the Old Testament right now with students and, and every Old Testament passage can point to Jesus in some, in some aspect. And, and that's really cool to see Jesus also doing it um, on the road to Emmaus. If you're not familiar with that, Luke, and you, you've been talking with the students about this. Uh, take uh, take Moses. I think that's what Jesus said, beginning with Moses and all the prophets. Is that what he says our law? with Moses and all the prophets and all the right. prophets, but like beginning with Moses, uh, people in bondage, um, God's sovereign decree for freedom, uh, the opposition of evil, such as Pharaoh and the, the captivity of sin and even the Israelites inability and reluctance to free themselves. Um, God sent a mediator named Moses to, to pronounce God's desire to hear his people's cry and, and free them from the bondage of slavery. And then the, the imposition of death and, death to those who rejected God versus a life from death for those who followed in, in, in the Passover. And certainly Jesus would have enlightened the disciples' hearts on the road to Emmaus as they said, you're kidding. Of course you are our Passover lamb. Of course you are the blood that takes away our sin and covers us and makes us right with God. Of course now we see it and that's where their hearts burned as Jesus taught these things to them. Amen. So, so why um, we, you put a couple of different um, cross references as far as uh, passages there? John one one. Uh, do you want to touch on that? Yes. Just... And this is again building our our case that uh, expository preaching is the philosophy of preaching. There's there's not another one. This is the pattern that the New Testament sets before us. And now I could go through all kinds of references, but we wanted to include Luke twenty four. That was an example from Jesus using 
himself as the hermeneutic to interpret scriptures. And so, therefore, the preacher must, uh, must follow that pattern. Um, John 1, 1, where the apostle is giving his interpretation under the divine inspiration uh, of the Holy Spirit, when he recounts the, the work of God in Christ, and he says, in the beginning was the Word. And y'all probably heard that. It's capitalized uh, W Word in the text. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him not anything that has been made was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Now, back on that first phrase, in the beginning was the Word. Uh, the Greek word is logos. Uh, it's a philosophical reference to truth and personhood. It would be the highest pinnacle of of man's philosophy, you know, in a secular sense of definition of the logos. But when put in context of the gospel, it is the highest expression of God, uh, both in person and in word. So the word is capitalized because John was telling us that the scriptures, the word and the personhood of Christ are one and the same. We don't worship the ink on the page as the Holy Bible. You know, there were things growing up we couldn't put. You know, we had a Bible on the uh, coffee table. I guess a lot of people did at that time. It's like a, the shrine uh, to, to whatever. <laughs> uh, but, you know, the Bible itself, the printed document, is very valuable. But when, when John says Jesus is the Word, the Logos, the divine Logos, his personhood and the truth expounded from him, that, that flows through the Old Testament and the New Testament to our hearts and to our minds uh, is one in the same. So when a preacher, okay, here's the philosophy of expositional preaching. You either stand in that pulpit and you're going to preach your best uh, ideas or your best advice or your best, um, what would you, technological survey of what people want, what they think they need, or you're going to preach Christ uh, but, and believe that when you go into the text of Scripture, you are preaching the divine logos, the word, because Jesus is the scriptures and the scriptures are Christ uh, through this supernatural um, revelation that's been made. I, I can't see that. I wouldn't know these things if the Bible hadn't told me these things. And so when we read Jesus saying he had a homily, I think the Greek word for the conversation with the uh, disciples on the road to Emmaus is where we get the English word homily, which means sermon. So his conversation was, was systematic in the way that he led them to see his personhood in the Old Testament. And the same for the Apostle John when he says, in the beginning was the Word. That's a systematic revelation that this Jesus is bigger than you think he is. So pastor, preacher, please stop with all this topical, moralistic, therapeutic nonsense. You're preaching things that only engage the mind. We want to introduce people again and again and again to the supernatural working of the person of Christ through the scriptures. So there's touching on Luke 24, and we'd encourage our listeners to go read the whole text. John 1.1 is the prologue uh, to the, the gospel of John. We encourage you to read verses 1 through 14, 1 through 18. And then I'm going to touch on one other verse that's going to sharpen us from the Apostle Paul. I got, I got a quick question uh, for you while we're on the word. As we see Jesus as the personhood and, and, and also, you know, like you said, the, the revealed truth in the word as John compares it to in John 1.1. 1, 1. So now um, as we see preachers and uh, pastors, they're, they're getting revelations from God. Is that, is that a thing? Is there any new revelations that come to these people? Eric? You want to touch on that? Is there any new new like revelations that come to these preachers or pastors, or has it all been revealed in the Word already? Well, I think you just answered your question. You know, and, and I hear it, and people are so enamored because they want something other than the Bible. They want a human being to tell them what the Bible means. And now I would caution our listeners because I would say probably most of us have fallen into the pattern of of depending on a preacher telling us what the Bible means instead of what the Bible says. Okay, and listen, let me say it again. Stop depending on other people to tell you what the Bible means. Instead, um, challenge your pastors or those teachers in your church or the one who's discipling or the one that you're discipling. We want our exposition. That means what we have to say. We want it to, to reiterate what the Bible says as best we can uh, in the ins and outs. But as far as new revelation, if you want to 
open that can of, of topic. Uh, there is no new revelation. If somebody says they've heard from God, they better be uh, quoting scripture, reading it directly oh, from the text. Now, I understand the wisdom that flows out of our study. Sometimes we can have insight as to application. We can have, uh, uh, well, that's what I define wisdom as being, the right application of the biblical uh, truth, of biblical truth. So there is a, there's some room for wisdom, but not in the sense of new revelation where God told me that, that Jesus really... Uh, did this that and the other if it's outside of scripture yeah I, I just felt it was important to touch on that while we 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 hit on john 1 1 so um if you want to flip with us to first corinthians 1 23 as we continue to walk through this expo expositional preaching expository preaching uh topic so i'll go ahead and read first uh, corinthians 1 23 we'll start start with 20 and, and okay. give us a little ramp up to context okay. there. All right. Where is the one who is wise? That's verse 20. Where is the, scri the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of, the of God, the world did not know God through wisdom. It has pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs and Greeks demand, or, and Greeks seek wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and a folly to Gentiles. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than man, than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. And uh, again, Paul says it. I think that's another foundation for our conviction that expository preaching is not a style. Oh, your preacher preaches verse by verse, book by book. I'm just not into that. Well, that's a big problem if you're just not into that. And what what I think is you've probably been trained to let uh, you know other people interpret the Bible, other people impose good ideas. And, and the Apostle Paul addressed this head on in, in the first part of his letter to Corinth, his first letter to Corinth. He says there's a lot of, of styles. There's a lot of fads. Uh, Jews, he categorized them and, and their reaction to God's revelation. They always demanded a sign from Jesus. What's the sign do you give to Moses? What sign? Give us proof. Give us pragmatism. Uh, give us something other than faith alone. Um, and he, he talked about Greeks and philosophy, and they want wisdom. And we can go, you can turn the radio dial or the television station and find any given church, uh, you know, trying to wax eloquently over the wisdom of man. Oh, you're good enough. You're you're smart enough. You can learn techniques well enough. You can navigate this life. You can you can have a better this, a better that. And it's all this philosophical wisdom that the Paul says the Greeks were known for their uh, philosophizing. Right. Um, so he said, but we have something greater, something better. And, and I like the conjunction, but uh, all these things can go on, but we preach Christ crucified. And to me that uh, when he uses the phrase Christ crucified, that's a summary of the gospel, all, all that uh, redemption puts forward, you know, not only just the crucifixion, but what does that crucifixion mean? What did the blood of Christ achieve? Uh, what did the resurrection uh, vindicate and verify for us is all summarized in, but we preach Christ crucified. Now, please don't take that as a condescending uh, motto that I might adopt to, to look down on others, but it is a, uh, a helpful central core of keeping us aligned with the mission of expository preaching and Christ-centered preaching. Um, there's a book by Brian Chapel, and I'll give a plug, shameless plug for this book. He's a Presbyterian minister, and sometimes Presbyterians can get things right as well. Um, <laughs> um, but he, he wrote a book called Christ-Centered Preaching, and it's a, a book I wish every young uh, preacher would at least consider and read. It changes everything when Christ is the central theme of every sermon. Uh, and let's say somebody were to call you and, and say, could you come preach on marriage? Well, that'd be a topic. Well, you better approach that marriage from a expositional text yeah. instead of jumping around. Beware of the pastor who has 10 different texts in his sermon. He, he's neither expounding on one of them very well or he's just generalizing. And sometimes if he's trying to weave together a systematic understanding of a particular theological theme, I can understand that. But if he's just using a a text out of context as a pretext for a proof text, we've heard it said, um, beware. I can do all things through a verse taken out of context. We've seen that that uh, meme and just this shallow, I said mamby-pamby earlier. I'm not, I'll have to look that up later. 
write that down, uh, Andy. I got it. Uh, I said, man, be pamby, but I'm just tired of this weak, unmasculine, just little silly sure. devotionals um, where people in their emotionalizing, they want themselves to be better, but we need to train up men and women who want to see Christ glorified, um, Christ realized and proclaimed um, in the way we go about following the biblical pattern of preaching. Amen. I, I don't think I can add anything to that. I think that, you know, ultimately we, we've we heard, you know, expository preaching and why through Jesus's uh, preaching to his, his disciples, we see why we do that. And then also I think the authority of the word is realized as we we also covered the solas last week, uh, sola scriptura. And so we see the authority of the word is realized in that. So uh, uh, that that's that's great. Um, I don't have anything else to add. Do you have well, anything you want to touch on as far as expository discipleship? Yeah, the only thing. That- well, let me stick with the expository preaching because that that also defines expository pri- discipleship. Everything we're saying about you know our what, what do we have to say flows out of the text. Um, Luke, I want you to look up that Facebook post that uh, that we made on. Dead Dog yeah. Theology just a minute ago, and that's a good summary of uh, our convictions about expository preaching. I have it right here. So expository preaching is not merely a style. It is a philosophy of proclaiming the in- inherent power of the Word manifested in Christ. So uh, even the Apostle Paul in Romans 1.16 says he's not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God and the salvation so that's another philosophical building block of expository preaching, that when I read the text and when I swim around in the text and we stay and we just preach Jesus over and over and over from the text, the flesh will get sick of it. Uh, people looking for themselves in a church assembly, they'll say, all you do is talk about Jesus. I want to talk about me. But in the text, when we faithfully expound upon the benefits and the work of Christ. How in the world uh, is the the redeemed person not going to be satisfied? I think our churches need to change our diets. We've been trained to to eat a bunch of uh, things and 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 uh, that do not satisfy. And and really, we've been designed by our salvation to crave Christ alone. So we much must preach Him alone. And then we see uh, as that flows into expository discipleship that that. You know, um, it's dependent upon, I guess, discipleship is dependent upon the work of the Spirit to apply and change the heart of, of, of our listeners and the people that we're discipling. And uh, and that also flows out of Scripture. You know, I, I mean, there's not many, or there's not any salvation stories that, that occur that are outside of what we're hearing in Scripture. And so um, we see that, too, with expository discipleship. Let me summarize. We've said them. We've walked all over them. Let me give you five things about expository preaching. Uh, Why should we preach in the pattern of Christ, Paul, and the apostles uh, flowing out of the text? Because expository preaching is inherently rooted in the power of the word. Okay, that's where our hope for transformation is. That's where our faith toward what we do, our faith and works are realized as we expound the scriptures because the the power of the word is sufficient. Uh, the second thing, preaching the word is written, it manifests Christ, not us. You know, if I use a verse that says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength, then I just jump over 10 ways sure I, I can do it. I'm just talking about me, you know, and what I want to. But but we we want to preach the word as written so it manifests Christ. And then the third thing, the authority of the word is realized. That sola scriptura back last week, uh, you know, if I, if I can preach, I don't preach in my confidence and you shouldn't in yours, but we preach in the confidence of the authority of scriptures. Number four, Amen. expository preaching is dependent upon the work of the spirit to apply and change the heart uh, of the listener. Not my eloquence, not my persuasion of an altar call or how many stanzas and we get them emotionally hopped up to make a, a prayerful decision or response. No, we want to be stubbornly committed that if God doesn't change them, uh, we don't have a plan B uh, to create something uh, even that humans perceived as spiritual or significant. We we preach the word because we're dependent on the work of the spirit to apply the change in a listener's heart. Yeah. And then the last thing, it's dependent upon context. And this is probably going to feed our con. Uh, episodes in the future, you know, context is everything. Historical context, uh, the preacher must consider that. The grammatical 
um, context, the preacher has to devote himself to study of the word. We, we have a little saying I learned somewhere a long time ago, Johnny can't preach because Johnny doesn't write and Johnny doesn't write because Johnny doesn't read. That's right. uh, Johnny being the preacher, you've got to invest yourself in reading and, and studying the grammar and, and um, so that we can expound the word um, in the best possible framework we have historically, grammatically, and then theologically. Uh, seeing the redemptive story from beginning to end helps us keep Christ in context and, and not make him a figment of our own achievement, but the, the center of what we have to say. Um, so those are some highlights about expository preaching and Christ-centered preaching. Like I said, uh, you can look at some other resources and other smarter men uh, smarter than me or us uh, certainly have a lot to say about these things and uh, keep studying and developing your your appetite for expositional preaching and expositional discipleship. Amen. We'll be right back with you with our closing segment. Welcome back to Dead Dog Theology. This is our closing segment of episode three. Uh, we thank you guys for listening through this. So uh, one thing before we close out, Eric, I wanted to come to you and just and just ask you, We've talked about expositional preaching, expository preaching. So what now? What does that mean for, for the listener? Right. If you, you know, certainly there's an application for preachers out there and we want to stir them toward this philosophy. But as our listeners, as a Christian, as a disciple or a discipler, you know, what, how, what is your response to Jesus' own pattern of, of homily? Uh, what is your response to John saying that Jesus and the word are inseparable? What's your response to Paul when he says, I don't preach signs. I don't preach philosophy. I preach Christ crucified for you as a disciple uh, in your own time. Study the word. That sounds cliche, but it's true. If you don't know the word, if you don't know what the text says, what does the Bible say about any given topic or any given context, then you're you're able to disciple or be discipled or listen to a preacher and recognize the power and the authority of the word. You can spot a guy that's uh, so hung up on self-improvement topics and the, the wisdom of the day or the philosophy of the day, the, the cultural Christianity of the day. And then when you feed upon the word, you'll be able to discern these things like never before. You'll be amazed that you say, well, that's not in the Bible. Well, that's not what that author was talking about. That's not really the application that would be the most uh, intended for the original audience. So get you a study Bible. The ESV study Bible is a great place to start. It's got some good study notes, good introduction. Find several sources. Again, we've talked about building your theological library. You need to find good expositors, not devotional writers. Okay, a devotion is so much different. Uh, there's there could be a place for it, but here, you know, find some good trusted authors, and we we'll be throwing some of those out to you. Brian Chapel was one uh, as far as their preacher goes, but for for you and your discipleship, you know, find you some some guys that that have a high view of the doctrines of grace that hold on to these foundational principles that we've been talking about. Yeah, I think that uh, I think you hit on it. Um, if we, if you don't know the word, you can't tell what if people's telling you what if people are telling you wrong or right. If you don't know the basics of the, just just know the word. Um, I think of I was always told when I was in law enforcement that that what makes the Navy SEALs so good is that they practice the basics over and over and over and over again until they perfect it. So, I mean, as a Christian, um, how do I how do I protect myself and my family from false teachers? I know the word. I practice the basics over and over and over and over again. Like uh, we were saying earlier, I said it. Uh, stop relying on other people to tell you what the Bible means and and know what it says. Right. And so you can draw good conclusions with other disciples and being sharpened by other uh, Christ followers. And certainly uh, applying in our in our climate today of theology and all the false teachers and heresies and you know we see some of those things being uncovered. I think uh, the story this week you said something about Hill songs. There came out yeah, a, yeah. a documentary on Hillsong. Discovery so. Discovery Plus came out with that documentary. That's a, I mean, that's just a church that's filled with false false teachers. And we may we may need to talk about you know the the false teachers among us as a topic for next week. Uh, Jude calls them apostates, people who aren't really Christians, but they're very religious and they look like Christians and they lead people astray. 
And so uh, you have to be very discerning when it comes to these ministries and uh, the people that you submit to for your theological formation. But number one, after the day, you know, expository preaching, expository discipleship, relationships that flow out of the text of Scripture instead of the ideas of man, um, that's where we need to start as, as, as good, solid, foundational followers of Christ. Amen. Um, before we go, I, I do. So we've got the application. We we heard that this week uh, regarding expository preaching. I do want. So have either one of y'all saw that documentary? Y'all, you haven't, have you? Have you? You haven't saw it. Have you? I don't have to. You don't. Have, you don't have to. It's listen. I know. It's a three part series on Discovery Plus oh, and Hillsong. Um, I, I don't remember the whole title of it, but the confusing it, thing about let's say Hillsong, beautiful songs, beautiful. Uh, emotional worship, uh, beautiful production. They can sing beautiful things, but their theology is just a train wreck. And how do I know that? Because I read the Bible. Amen. That's exactly and, uh, right. You know, uh, I'm a, not, me- a mega church exposed is what the document is. And that, that strikes fear in all of us as preachers. And you look at uh, maybe Brian Houston and what was the other pastor, uh, Hillsongs? Uh, uh, Lentz, Carl Lentz. Carl Lentz. And, and not to just, just pelt them with rocks because we're all vulnerable. But uh, Jude, not getting into another episode, but Jude points out the lifestyle of apostates more than their specific, you know, heresies. So, you know, us, us as men who are faithful to the word must guard our hearts and our lives and be accountable. And, and um, not that we're free from making mistakes, but pat, long-term patterns of, of godless behavior is a, is a, an indication of false teaching. You summed up like the documentary all the way through. Well, I mean, they didn't talk about false teaching, but they did talk about the, I guess they did. They talked about these men who, who just, um, I don't know. They, they were involved in all these scandals. It's, it's crazy. You really, you just wouldn't realize what's going on in that church. And, um, and they're bringing it to light with this documentary. Well, we pray that, you know, as false teachers stumble across the gospel, that, that, that seed that was imperfectly, cast for the wrong motives might find good soul anyway but that doesn't relieve us of our responsibility to contend for the faith so maybe next week we do need to look at jude and his warning about apostates and how we are called to contend for the faith that was handed down to us um so that gets me fired up so we want our listeners to be well informed and make good decisions uh, based on the scriptures for themselves and then share that with others compare that with others who are following Christ as well. Amen. Before we go, um, I did want to apologize to you guys. Last week was uh, spring break. And so um, I didn't break from work. I was still working. And, and, you know, we we talked about me going camping. But I did break from the gym. And, man, it was a well-needed break. And I plan to get back in the gym tonight. But but I did did have to. Last night I used the excuse, and I had to. I had to write a paper on John Calvin in my church history class. And uh, and so that was really good, getting to study his biography. I've seen excerpts of his writings and went through some of those, but I've never really studied his life. And uh, he had a lot going on for sure. But, uh, yeah, so I, I knocked that out. I tend to, to kind of uh, procrastinate. Or as my good friend Andy Hughes over there says, coming in clutch. I always come in clutch with the paper on time. So anyway, uh, thank you guys for listening this week. Be sure to uh, like our, our Facebook page as we have that on there. You can send us a message on there, uh, you know, share our content, um, comment on, on our post. And uh, if you have any questions, feel free to reach out to that. We would love to cover those in some segments um, here in the near future. And uh, so be sure to do that and also um, uh, rate and share our episodes. So thank you guys for listening. We will see you next week.